0: that you never made a deal with. We're also the show that didn't make the castle run in 12 parsecs, even if you round down, but we do provide an Asian perspective into the galaxy far, far away. I'm your host, Bria, and with me are my co-hosts, Brian and Jay.
1: Hello. Hello.
0: On today's episode, we're talking about season one of The Mandalorian, so sit back and enjoy the show. And you know what? I'm just going to pretend that like we totally planned this episode to coincide with the first episode of that documentary coming out. Like That was totally the plan.
1: Oh, you're organizing genius.
0: Yep. I did this on purpose. We weren't scheduled to talk about the show in February. No, not at all. That, no. We're all fine here now. Thank you. How are you?
1: An increasingly valid question. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Too real. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But don't worry, guys, this month is a very special episode. Uh, If you've seen my tweets, you might be able to guess who our special guest is going to be. But unfortunately, you guys have to wait because we're going to go through the news with and then there's this, which also starts off with a high note because, hey, it is Asian American Pacific Islander month. Woo. And I remembered before we started recording the podcast this time.
2: Hey, that's always a win.
0: I don't think I remembered last year. Uh,
1: yeah, I think we did it We did it like after the fact last year or like in the tweets or something.
0: Yeah, it was very much an, oh, crap. What is a calendar moment?
2: What is
1: a calendar, though, really?
2: I mean, listen, time is increasingly less relevant as we move through the world and what all is going
1: on. So,
0: eh. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But we'll always have this month.
0: What month is it again?
1: Why, it's Asian American Pacific Islander month.
0: But i <laughs> We did get a, uh, I believe it was early AAPI month present this year because Delray announced that there's going to be a Dr. Afra audio drama. Like, who saw that coming, guys?
2: That was out of left field and I will take it.
0: Right. Uh, It's being written by Sarah Kuhn, who wrote the incredible heroine complex uh, stories. I think it's a trilogy. The moment it's a trilogy with like a a novella as well. Uh, But they're really, really good books. Uh, It's coming out on July 21st, and it's going to be an adaptation and expansion of basically the first story we ever saw Afra in, which was Darth Vader Volume 1. It'll be like Jedi, Dooku Jedi Lost, so it'll have a fully voiced cast. We don't know who's playing who yet, and I'm really excited to find out who's playing Afra. But yeah, I think dogs heard my. I think Mara the dog heard my scream. So when they announced, that's this. what
2: that was. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How excited are you guys for this?
2: I'm I'm pumped. Um, Afra, I don't have a whole bunch of comics on my poll list. Uh, Well, my comicsology pull is because I'm nowhere near a local comic shop. But, uh, is one of them. And I am super, super, super excited for the, uh, for this audio drama.
1: It was really funny because, like, literally the day before—I swear, the day before they announced this audio drama—I was telling one of my non-Star Wars friends about, "Hey, you know, there's this character who's a space archaeologist called Afra. She's like a total, like, comic original character, and they made her like her own spin-off series about her and how amazing that was." And and my friend who who doesn't follow Star Wars was like, "Wow, I can't believe they made a whole comic series about a, a non-film character like that." And then literally the next day they announced an audio drama, which is like next level it's incredible just how much Afra's how much love Afra is getting
0: That's some pretty good synergy going on right there It's actually almost as good as the synergy I had with posting an Afra costume picture to Twitter that morning
1: Oh yeah literally the same day
0: I had no idea like I just want to reiterate this I had no clue whatsoever uh, my photographer just gave me the picture back a couple days before and I was like this looks cool and then
2: surprise! <laughs> Great timing,
0: right? Um, so yeah, so it makes, I really i I trust Del Rey to do this, but also I'm just going to state for the record: I really hope they cast an Asian woman to voice Afra for obvious reasons.
2: mm Hmm. agree. Yep.
0: Yeah. Uh, let's see. In further Afra news, uh, we were supposed to get the first issue. Back at the beginning of April, but then, you know, there's a pandemic going on. So comics kind of got put on hold for a little bit and they'll be resuming for Marvel on May 27th. But as a special May the 4th present, they actually released the digital on Comixology and other digital retailers yesterday. So you could now read the new Dr. Aphra number one.
1: It's I am going to have to do that because I did not realize they released it early.
2: That's a Surprise! sitting in my comicsology portfolio waiting for me. I've not had a chance to read it yet today, but I am very much looking forward to it.
0: It was the very first thing I did this morning because I feel like I got so caught up in everything else, May the fourth yesterday that I was like, i'm gonna I'm gonna save it for tomorrow. Give it the full attention it deserves. um. I will say that if you haven't read any Afro comics yet and you're looking for a good jumping on point, this is a pretty solid one. Uh it references things that happened at the end of the previous volume, but you don't really need to know about them to understand the story. It's it's a new team, or both creatively and afra having a new team. Um yeah, it's a great launching off point. It looks like it looks like it'll be a disaster, which is
2: peak afra. If if it was going to be anything other than a disaster, I'd be disappointed.
0: <sighs> um, Switching gears from Star Wars, uh, Netflix is apparently on a We Like Asians in our television spree. Uh, the movie The Half of It came out, which we talked about last time. Did you guys get a chance to watch it yet?
1: I saw half of it. Jay... It is. And I, I promise I didn't do it on purpose for the pun, although I may have kind of done it on purpose for the pun.
0: <laughs> Jay. I'll
1: watch the other half after we finish recording. Jay, it did is, you
0: stop? Uh,
2: it is on my weekend watch list. Uh, this last weekend, I was busy rewatching The
1: Mandalorian.
0: <sighs> but you guys are actually going to watch it this time, right?
1: Yes. Okay. Wait, no, I, I'm literally going to finish it as soon as we're done.
0: Okay. Okay. I was making sure, Jay, you didn't do that thing where, like, you stop watching it because you're worried it'll end sad.
1: I mean, I did actually pause at some point when it got stressful. I'm like, nope. Like, I literally had a little brain in my head saying, keep watching. And I'm like, fine, <laughs> I'll keep watching. I swear that actually happened.
0: <laughs> yes. <sighs> it's a really, really cute movie. And I love that, like, the tagline they're using for it is that uh, not every love story is – or not not every love story is a romance because I think that's really important for people to realize. Um it's it the movie is it's queer, it shows off male female friendships, and I feel like they just reached into my head and pulled out the movie that I so desperately wanted.
1: Yeah, the friendships part and then especially it starts with the with the with the Plato reference. I mean, who who can resist that? They're just speaking to you, aren't they, Jay? Yes, they are.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you guys will have to let me know what you think about it. Uh, That's the homework for June. Oh, wait, we have other homework for June. Anyways, not the point. Um, Netflix also released a show called Never Have I Ever. Um, This one's actually a TV show. It's from Mindy Kaling. Um, It's described as after a horrible year, Debbie wants to change her social status, but friends, family, and feelings would not make it easy on her. I've only seen one of the trailers briefly, but it looks super cute. Have you guys seen anything
2: about it?
1: Um, I have not, although I'm curious about it now from the description.
2: Yeah, I I hadn't caught it yet, uh, so I will be sure to catch that uh, after we're done recording here.
0: ConjuCast, we add to your media watch lists. Every single episode.
2: Every (laughs) time. Without fail.
1: Yep.
0: And sometimes Uh,
1: we actually watch them.
0: Listen, I watch things. Oh, wait, I haven't seen Parasite yet. Crap, do that. I've been busy playing Fire Emblem. Leave me alone. That's partially your fault, too, Jay.
1: I know. Nice going, Jay. So Way tough. to go. I, I willingly accept any blame for that because Fire Emblem is great.
0: I mean, it's mostly my friend Lynn's fault, but, you know, I have Blue Lions feelings now.
1: Black Eagle soon, though, we hope.
0: I I need to wait. Like, I put 85 hours into that game in two weeks I need to wait
1: (laughs) oh yeah you need to space the runs out just for your own sanity
0: (laughs) yeah otherwise I would not this is why I was like oh crap on uh on Sunday to rewatch the Mandalorian it was fine our show notes are very thorough don't worry about it (laughs) uh and then finally rounding out the Netflix trio and I think it's hilarious because I'm pretty sure these all dropped within like a week of each other um, there's a new another TV show on there called Hollywood, which is about post World War II Hollywood, uh, and it has both Darren Criss and Michelle Krusiec in in starring roles. Which is it looks interesting. Um, I haven't heard very much else about it, but it looks like it could be a really neat show. Plus, it's always nice to see Darren Criss like actually playing a character who is half Asian and not just racially ambiguous
2: oh definitely yeah that's uh hey another one for the uh, watch list
0: right <laughs> I think this one's just a limited series though okay um so yeah uh next in a non flip not non Netflix note uh there's PBS is doing an Asian American documentary that is going to be premiering on May 11th and 12th I don't know much more about it except I think I just I saw that on a graphic from Nerds of Color. Um, but apparently it's the first one they've done? Maybe.
1: I wonder if it's like if it's going to be like a Ken Burns style like the Asian American like experience in America and like that could be interesting. I don't know what format it would be in, but could be intriguing.
0: Uh, it sounds like it could be it would be something you'd be interested in just from the little bit I know, Jay. Perfect. And finally, uh, Christine Liu tweeted that she is going to be directing Disney's animated Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur show, which I had completely forgotten was even a thing until I saw that tweet.
2: That's that's going to be a fun one. Um, And the. Disney Animation, uh, and not just Disney Animation, but all sorts of uh, animation studios have just been knocking it out of the park with uh, stuff they're releasing. So, yeah, it's uh, cool to see another neat animated show on the docket and uh, having a uh, having an Asian perspective leading it.
0: Yeah. Plus, I really like that comic. Uh, if anyone is listening who has kids uh, who are somewhat interested in comics but don't really know where to start... This is definitely a good series to pick up. Lunella's very, Lunella's great, and I love it when you, you know, throw a dinosaur in the mix. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, comics are automatically improved when you have a dinosaur sidekick, right? Absolutely. It's just As science.
0: Needs more dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Actually, I bought I bought dinosaur stamps from the post office. <laughs> They have T-Rexes on them because I was trying to support the post office. And I was like, I'm going to buy stamps, even though I still have some. So I have T-Rex stamps. That was a great story, Bria. I'm going to tell it at all the parties. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, I think that's enough with the news. How about do you guys have anything else? Because I I tried to catch everything, but I also know, like, again, time has no meaning anymore. So I don't know if I missed anything major.
2: I mean, we may have, but. We had a lot of good stuff here. We added a lot to everyone's watch list. We should probably stop adding things to their watch list today. Oh, uh,
0: I think Kim's, Kim's convenience. I think the fourth season hit Netflix since the last time we recorded.
2: Listeners, add another one.
0: Yeah. It's a good show. The uh, the guy who plays Appa is a very big Star Wars fan. Like, literally in the 501st, big Star Wars fan. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I should send you guys his uh, I think his his Instagram is like angry appa. I think it is Um, like he has a Thai pilot. Yeah, his Instagram is angry appa. He has a Thai pilot. He just finished a stormtrooper. He's got a mud trooper, an officer uniform, an X-wing pilot. He's a cool dude.
1: <laughs> that is excellent.
2: <laughs> that is commitment to, co- to uh, costuming uh, right there.
0: Oh, yeah. All right. So before I add anything else to your watch list, I think that has to be it for the news. And this month, we're talking about The Mandalorian, because it's May, and May, Mandalorian, Mother's Day. No, I I didn't really think that one through. I'll pretend I did. But because it is Mother's Day this coming week, uh, we recording the Tuesday before Mother's Day, I thought it would be fun to bring in a special guest, a.k.a. my mom. Mom, say hi. Hello. She did not want to do this episode even though she really really loves the show. Um I kind of had to beg beg her to do so. So I'm really happy you're doing this, Mom.
3: Okay, great.
0: Okay. So do you remember what you knew about the Mandalorian before we sat down to watch it?
3: Very little. I just brushed it off when you told me about it. In fact, I missed the first two episodes cuz I didn't have any interest
0: right uh because actually i was home when they when they put out the trailer for um for the mandalorian in august i just happened to be home and you were like okay is me not in it no okay <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep but, but we did watch it when i was home for thanksgiving We watched the first two episodes and then the third one came out that that week and you were a bit more interested then right
3: oh um, um, yeah i was hooked what is it that hooked you Baby Yoda, of course.
0: <laughs> so, would that be the answer to who is your favorite character?
3: Well, of course, he's too cute.
0: Why? Why else do you love Baby Yoda except for him? Be, aside from him being cute, what's the appeal?
3: Well, it's kind of like his personality, and you know, he's acts like a little kid sometimes, and he's kind of lovable. And they did a really great job with his eyes because he looks so real with those eyes of his.
0: Did you know that he was mostly um, mostly a puppet and they tried really hard not to do much CGI with him?
3: I guess. But they really did a great job with his eyes. I mean, his eyes just look so real. They're I love his ears. Expres- They're very expressionable. <laughs> Is that a word? It can be expressive. now. Expressive. They're very expressive. That's the better.
0: <laughs> he's got very expressive eyes. Did you have a favorite character aside from Baby Yoda? Or is it like all about Baby Yoda for you?
3: Well, I do like Cara Dune. Mm-hmm. And what I, about like the, I like the guy um, who's the mechanic. He used to be a slave, and now he's free. And oh, he the has, Ugnaught? Is that what he is? Okay, I can't remember yeah. his name. That's not his name. His name is... Oh, do you guys remember his name?
1: Quill.
0: Yeah. Thank you. That's it. Oh, yeah. not his species.
3: But yeah. So, so you does... like Quill? I like Quill. I like Cara Dune. Cara
0: Dune's pretty awesome.
3: Yes, yeah, she's very awesome. But there's a human part of her. She lets oh. that out. Yes, because she she kind of um, at one point she's holding baby Yoda or the child as they call him. At one point, she's holding him, so she's not totally. Um, what would be the word unlovable? Because <laughs> she
0: doesn't know what to do with the baby, with the baby green thing. Well, she kind of does. Okay. Um, what about episodes? Did you have a favorite episode out of the eight that we watched?
3: Um. Not really. I do have a least favorite. What is your least favorite episode? The one when they're on the prison ship with all those. Um, he has to break out the guy. Uh uh-huh. huh. Making a deal. He has to break that guy out and they're on that prison ship. Too many, too many weird creatures and they were really <laughs> mean. I don't like mean things. Okay, so you didn't like the prison episode. You um, did it. In fact, I watched the whole thing again, and that's the only episode I didn't want to watch again. Have you watched it
0: since we had to go through the whole thing right before, right after Christmas? You watched it again?
3: Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, except for, except for the prison episode. <laughs> you really don't have a favorite episode? Mm. Um, no. I mean, some I liked better than others. Like which one? The one when they're well, the one that where they're trying to escape after he's after he steals him back, steals the child back. After Mandel mm-hmm. steals the child back, and he's trying to escape, and all the other bounty hunters are ganging up on him, and he finally gets saved by the other um, Mandalorians. That was a little tense. Oh, uh, that was episode
0: three. Um, yeah, Deborah Chalet directed that episode.
3: Actually, maybe my my favorite episode is when they're. I don't remember the name of the planets where they started, and they go to the they go to the village, and Cara Dune is with them. Oh, that's and episode saved four. They save the village. They save mm-hmm. the village. That was really sweet, because you see, you see the child; he's playing with the other children, and they're acting like children. That's actually my favorite episode. Yeah, he was really he was really sweet. Yeah, I and- like him when he tries to eat the whatever the lizard or the salamander or the whatever it was the skink he tries to eat it and they go ooh, and he spits it back out <laughs> i
0: mean i would also spit the lizard back out but that's just me um,
3: well I, I also like the fact he is a carnivore
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's also the episode that gives us that great little moment where he drinks the the bone broth as he watches cara and mando fight
3: Oh yeah. Get some a little bone get a little bowl of of bone broth. And I was really thrilled because I, I didn't know bone broth was a real thing, but I happened to be in the grocery store and there it was on the shelf, bone broth. <laughs> well did you did you get it? No. You should <laughs> I,
0: get it next time and you can tell you can tell Dad that you guys are just drinking baby Yoda well, cocktails. Oh mm. Well it I guess sounds, it has to
3: be green. It sounds pretty delicious. <laughs> you never know. Okay.
0: All right. Uh, so I know you're not good with character names and all, but Fennec Shand. So she was Ming-Na Wen's character in episode five, the Asian
3: bounty hunter. Do you remember okay. her? Yep. Uh, did you like her character? You didn't really get to know her. I can't say if I liked her or not. Okay. I mean, there was only, there was only one small part when she was trying to talk her way out from that other bounty hunter. But, I mean, otherwise, you really didn't get to know her. So I can't say if I like her or don't like her. Okay. Did you think she looked badass, though? Well, you knew she was. She was a real good shot. Yeah. So. Yeah. I want to do my hair like her. Well, the fact that she gets killed, though, then, you know, you wonder. But they don't really expose her personality or her skills, so. Okay, so it's interesting you said the fact
0: that she gets killed because when I've asked you about this before, the next question, you had an interesting answer, which is very different from mine. So do you think she's going to be back in season two?
3: Yeah. Okay, you got to tell me more about that. Maybe not season two, but I'm sure she'll be back because they made it a point to show us someone carrying off her body. Why would they do that? Plus...
0: So it's wait, wait, just, wait. Do you think she's plus, dead?
3: Is she dead? Well, you don't know. And oh. you know this this is this is sci-fi. So hey, Game of Thrones, even if you're dead, you come back to life. So
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I really hope they don't Jon snow her body though. That'd be that'd be bad.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and last I checked, there are not any uh, white walkers or dragons in this show.
3: Okay, but you're not dead until Whatever you don't come back,
0: well, you're more optimistic than I am, um, so you're someone so you've seen all the movies, right? the Star Wars movies? yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, you would you say that because you know you're my mom, you know a you know like some a decent amount about Star Wars for someone who's not like in the fandom. I don't know, okay. Let me ask this a different way then. Uh, okay. As someone who does not live and breathe Star Wars with every fiber of their being, like I do, did you have? Did you find it easy to understand what was going on in the Mandalorian? Um, to did you find it easy to like get into the show, or did you have a whole bunch of questions that I had to answer
3: for you, or that
0: you weren't really sure about? Like, was
3: it easy to get into? Mm-hmm. Yes, very much. Did I understand everything? I probably did understand everything. Um, majorly would be the time. Okay. You know, we before or after. Did you have a guess as to whether it was as to which one of those it was? It really wasn't important. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It didn't matter.
0: Didn't matter to you as a viewer. No. Okay. (laughs) I mean a big a big part of the plot line is how things are happening after the empire's demise but carry on. Um what about what were other things you that you weren't clear about?
3: Um well some of the characters um like the like the empire mm-hmm. people. I didn't know who all of them were and it was very disturbing when he comes back to life at, on the last episode. See? You think he's dead, and he's not. Comes back. Um. So Wait, I don't really know who comes who they back. Are. Um. So I think you told me who was the white. Um. Oh, Moth Gideon. The, yeah. The dark. Oh, with the dark saber. Okay, the dark saber. Okay, is that what it's called? Okay, right. Yeah. Did you didn't did you know what
0: you didn't have any idea what that was when he first cuts his way out of the Tie Fighter? Did you?
3: When he well, didn't know what it was. Or rather, what, let me what?
0: rephrase. Sorry, let me rephrase that question. You know how he has to cut him his way out of the Tie Fighter at the end. Yes. Did you know what that weapon was like, or did you think you did? You have a guess as to what it was. I just figured it was a lightsaber. Okay. It's got a dark saber. It's a whole Mandalorian weapon. Um.
3: It's a Mandalorian weapon. Yeah. Oh. So now I have a question. Where do you get it? Um, it's usually a weapon
0: that's wielded by the leader of the Mandalorians and of Mandalore. Um, we don't quite know how he got it, but we do know he was part of like the Purge and what drove the Mandalorians underground. So I guess we're assuming that's how
3: he got so it. He, he took it? Yeah. Okay. So... Um... I guess my next question is or I'm not going to assume this. I mean supposedly all the mandalorians are dead now, but I'm thinking they there's got there's got to be a few around. I'm hoping there's a few around.
0: Well, I guess we're assuming that the cohort that helped Mando out in episode 3 survived. I, I hope know. so. Yeah. Honestly, mom, we don't know any more than you do on that front. Oh, okay.
3: So yeah. you're just asking the questions. You don't have any
0: answers for me.
3: <laughs> I mean, hold on. Let me call up George Lucas real quick and be like, okay. yo, Lucas. I know you don't own the franchise anymore, but. <laughs> well, you're, you're, you're actually calling the wrong person. And you should call John Favreau. <laughs> Mom,
0: <laughs> I'm so proud of you right now.
3: Are you? <laughs> I am.
0: <laughs> you're just corrected my geek knowledge and you did it right. <laughs> And you say you don't really know Star Wars,
3: I don't, I don't. I think you know more than you think you do. Um, I'm old, I forget things, so it's okay, so do yeah. I.
0: yeah, <laughs> all right. What are you hoping to see happen in season two
3: to learn more about where the child is from, who he's connected to um, do you have any Harry?
0: Do you have any theories about that?
3: No. Okay. Didn't think about it. Because <laughs> I figure whatever, whatever I think is, you know, they're going to surprise me. Okay. So what else are you hoping to see in season two? Well, that's what I want to see. I want. I I'm hoping um, Caradine will come back. Mm-hmm. And the other, that head bounty hunter who's who stayed behind with Cara Dune, is he going to be a good guy or a bad guy? Or what, is he going to betray or is he going to help Mando again? Okay. So you want to see old favorites, basically, come back. Well, uh, I, I like Cara Dune's fa- um, um. I thought, I liked her character. I like she was really helpful. Yeah. And I'm sorry... Quill is dead that was very sad
0: did you think his death or IG the droid's death was sadder
3: who IG 11 the droid who kind of he pulls a Terminator oh yeah well since he was a droid you know I, I can't have much feeling for him but yeah <gasps> that's was, gonna be so um, controversial <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but continue it's fine they'll just <laughs> yell at me he was a droid <laughs> Okay. Do, do you want to know something cool that I don't think you know yet? Go ahead. The guy who um who voiced the droid and who also directed that last episode, he's going to be direct and he's also the guy who directed Thor Ragnarok. He- oh. Yeah, they just announced that he's going to be direct writing co-writing and directing a Star Wars movie. Oh, okay, cool.
3: Yeah. Can he make Thor come back? Come back? To the to Star Wars, <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> just make I don't know, get Thor out of retirement and back in shape. I I don't because that was disturbing the last movie, <laughs>
0: oh, Mom. mom. <laughs> I I know I know you have strong feelings about Chris Hemsworth's biceps. That's okay, we all do. Yeah, okay. Back to Star Wars though. Yes. Um, do you have do you have anything else you want to say about like? About Baby Yoda and... Because I don't think I've ever seen you latch on to a Star Wars character like this before. Well, I mean, I
3: think... How could you not? He's just too cute. Right? Yeah. No, he is. He's pretty... Like do- He's cute. He's got some personality. He does some quirky things. He does some funny things. I mean, he's... You know, he he does... He acts like a kid at one time and... Then he does some really nice things. He does some really sweet things. So, how could you not like him? He's not a brat. <laughs> no, you're right. Okay. Any I last questions? I, I would like... I was kind of disappointed that Mando wasn't more macho. He's, he, has, he showed a couple of faults. <laughs> Wait, wait, you're- you're upset that he showed faults? Yeah. I thought he'd be a heck of a lot more macho. No, I need you to expand on this more, cause I'm confused. Well, he wasn't cute. <laughs> when he took like his helmet off, it was- it was a terrible disappointment. <laughs> when he Tom. took his helmet off.
0: <laughs> Pedro Pascal was an attractive
3: man, and he just been beaten to hell. What did you expect? No. Well, not in that setting. Oh, mom! <laughs> not in that setting. Oh, this is how we um, get in trouble. <laughs> and then you want to say, you know, put your helmet back on. <laughs> he did. He did put his helmet back on. Yes, he did. He did. He had to follow the rules. Oh, mom. And then, um, there were a couple of times when he just wasn't tough enough, and I'm thinking, oh, he's gonna get beat because he's not the wonderful warrior that he should be. Doesn't
0: that make it interesting though when your heroes don't always win?
3: Oh no, I I like being on the winning side, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Jay, does that ring true with you <laughs> being on the winning side?
1: I mean I try to be. It doesn't <laughs> always empire. work out that way.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't like I don't like I don't like sitting on the losing side. It's not as much fun.
0: This is why you betrayed the Red Sox and started cheering for the Yankees, isn't it?
3: No. Mm Mhm. Well, you know the red. You can't cheer for the Red Sox because you you don't know who's playing anymore. That's
0: baseball, Mom.
3: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay.
0: Any last thoughts about Baby Yoda before I let you go? Because I know you want to do other things with your night.
3: Um, I can't wait for season two. Coming this fall at some point. I know. Hopefully, they'll make it come faster.
0: But we'll tell Lucasfilm to get on that.
3: <laughs> okay.
0: All right. Thanks for doing this, mom. No problem. Bye. Nice to meet you guys.
2: See yeah, ya. thanks for coming on.
0: So, yeah, guys, that's my mom. Um, <laughs> hopefully you enjoyed what she had to say about the Mandalorian. Uh, clearly, she really, really loves Baby Yoda.
2: I'm just going to say this is the most delightful episode of the Congee cast we will ever, ever record.
1: That was definitely my favorite segment in a very 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 long time.
0: <laughs> so uh cuz you guys are both in Disney with me, you know when I picked up that the spare jersey with baby Yoda on it? Yes. That was for her. Aww. It wasn't for me. It was for her. Oh. I think I would have been murdered if I had come home and not gotten her something baby Yoda. <laughs> uh,
2: I I mean, right? Like you're 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 there if you don't bring back um baby yoda for your from your pilgrimage for your mother that you'd be the worst child ever
0: i know and then she, i'm actually i'm pretty sure there was a choice between baby saving baby yoda and saving me i think she might save baby yoda which like valid i would also save the child
1: mm-hmm. i mean he can do that magic hand thing so you know <laughs>
0: i was just re I was rewatching the last episode last night and when like what's his face does it hey do the magic hand thing i just laugh so hard every single time
1: Oh, God, so good. Especially when he waves back.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, so now we're going to do a little bit more of a deep dive into, the, into season one. So what were your guys' initial impressions and or your overall feelings about season one of the show?
2: So I'm going to say I almost bounced off the show after the first episode. Um, I wasn't all that enamored with how it was kind of paced and edited and um the baby Yoda reveal at the end elicited more of a are you kidding me reaction than oh baby Yoda that didn't come till episode 2 um it the show definitely grew on me and grew on me quickly with the exception of a couple hiccups along the way um I was expecting a show that was going to be a Boba Fett XP pew pew kill gritty death show and got something else in st- entirely instead which I really enjoyed.
1: Yeah, I was pretty much on the same page. Like when the show was first announced, I I thought, "Oh, great, another Mandalorian thing." And and particularly like I thought it would be like a gritty 90s boba fett style mandalorian thing which was not even as interesting as the you know the mandalorian stuff we got with rebels right with Sabine and everything so i my expectations were really low and the first episode didn't do much to dispel that i was on the same page about baby yoda like i didn't i didn't get into baby yoda until baby yoda was baby like in the following episodes but I gave it a chance, especially because we had the Warner Herzog Imperial. So I thought, you know, I'll I'll keep watching for that. And then the show ended up winning me over.
0: Yeah, I think I was for the most part, I think I felt initially somewhat more positive. Uh, Or no, you know what? I was actually mostly on the same page with you guys. Uh, I remember when we saw the preview footage at Celebration that I was completely blown away. Uh, it looked incredible. I was, I was so on board. Um, now that said, the show had to work a little harder once it started airing, which I don't know if that has more to do with my expectations or like how the show was marketed to us. It just the pacing kind of threw me a bit. Um, like,
2: did you really need three travel montages in the first episode?
0: Uh, no. But, uh, that's a directing thing. Um, (laughs) but, and, and obviously I think we're going to get to the, uh, the show has a problem with putting female characters anywhere, um, issue, which really that that's honestly what made me struggle with the show for the most part for the first three episodes. Then four was great. And then five and six, I was just like, are you kidding me? Um, but that said, I, on my more recent watch through, I'm becoming more comfortable with it, if that makes sense. Like not not the not the lack of women part. Like that's gonna be an issue. But like I'm, I'm becoming more comfortable and I'm becoming more fond of it.
1: Well, I wonder if it's also like a a, a reason of the week to week thing, right? Because like if no female characters are speaking except for the armor in the first three episodes, and we have to wait a week between episodes, like that just builds up and builds up. With at least you know, with rewatching, you can get past that a lot quicker because then you get to number four, which was awesome.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. That could be it. Especially because I was getting yelled at on Twitter for that. Yeah, um, yeah that was a fun couple weeks. Um, did you guys have a... who's your favorite character? Just quick around the horn.
1: Warner Herzog the client. Of course. Uh,
2: probably, probably Cara Dune.
0: Use her full name, Brian. Cara, Cara Cynthia, Cynthia Dune of Alderaan. Alderaan. I lost my crap at that part of that, in that episode. Oh, my <laughs> God. Oh, and I like I, I think I was with my family and I couldn't sh- I couldn't like yell as much as I wanted to. You know, Kara was my favorite character as well. Um, favorite episode.
1: Uh, I have to uh, agree with you and your mom on uh, episode four. That is just fantastic start to finish episode. And it's the one that showed like the most character in just like people and humanity and like I I really dig that episode.
2: Yeah, it's episode four for me as well. Uh, It was I think the best character study and the best paced of all of them.
0: Yeah. (sighs) All right. We're going to go from a high note right down to a downer of a note because let's just get the Fennec Shand in the corner out of the way. Like we're going to talk about this and I'm going to be pissed off about it. I my mom is a bit more zen about it than I am. Um because and she has a good point like you know you don't see that the body is dead and it is science fiction somehow she has returned. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is the world we live in now. I I wouldn't even have, Okay, I think I would not have minded had the episode been better, but it wasn't.
2: It was a really, really bad episode of television.
0: And why do you hire Ming-Na Wen for one lousy episode like that? That woman loves Star Wars so much.
2: And you give her a fight scene that is shot in such darkness, you can't see anything happening.
0: I didn't know there was orange on the bottom of her costume until she tweeted that picture yesterday. (laughs)
1: That's a good point, actually, because I saw that like the end, the, the tales of that costume such. I thought, that's really striking, and you're right. We did not see that in the episode, because it was black all the time. Yep. And I think the thing that gets me about this the most is, like, you know, we all talk about fridging characters and, you know, killing off characters of color, and we figure, well, they're, they're smart enough not to do that, and then they literally do that to further the story of that young hotshot bounty hunter that's there for, I don't know what purpose, and it just that's the part about it that she wasn't even killed off for an interesting or good reason it's something that we've seen a thousand times before and that's what gets me
0: he's not even Han Solo light he's Dash Rendar Jr. light
1: yeah he wishes he was Dash
2: Rendar diet Dash Rendar now that's an indictment (laughs)
0: like I mean I just wanted to slap that guy and that was before he kills her like ah
1: About the only good thing I can say about that episode was I liked the sign language with the Tuscan writers. That was really cool.
0: That was awesome. But yeah. <sighs> and I just I'm just upset. Like and I know a lot of our fellow agents when they saw the episode were also upset and I think what got me the most in seeing the conversation was that like we weren't given the room to grieve. By certain corners of fandom. It was Mm -hmm. get over it. Or, oh, she'll be back. And I'm like, you know that for sure? Really?
2: And even if she does come back, that doesn't retroactively make this episode better.
0: No. It was still a bad. It was not a good episode. Like, at all.
2: It was... (sighs) I mean, take Fennec Shand out of the equation and... It's just a dull, boring episode that doesn't really do anything.
0: Yeah, it was like we went to Tatooine just to check it off a list.
1: Yes, exactly. Like, like you know, we we go to the same cantina, you know, and it it, w- it was the most fan servicey episode, and I think that's why it sort of landed the dullest for me, even without Fennec Shand. It just oh, I guess we're doing the Tatooine thing again. And the, the what really surprised me though is how much people loved that actually. So maybe maybe that was what they were going for, because apparently people do love just seeing tattooing again. It's like, oh, it's a thing I recognize.
0: Yeah. So this isn't in my notes, but that was something I something I struggled with with the show was the lack of names everywhere. Like that was not the first desert planet we went to. I don't e- I could not tell you the name of the planet where they found the child. But it was a desert that kind of looked like Tatooine and had some jawas. Like I can't tell you half the character names cuz I feel like we never they rarely said names.
1: Yeah, the the client, the armor, and I and I get the going for the whole western thing, but come on guys.
0: I still can't believe we never got the client's name. Like that just that just baffles me. Um, I think that's something I struggled with in the thing in the show in general. But then like we get to Tatooine and it's like so obviously Tatooine that it almost felt jarring. It felt more jarring than seeing the Green Planet the episode before.
2: Mm, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um let's talk about something way more positive on the uh related to Asian woman who worked on The Mandalorian. Deborah Chow's directing. Holy shit.
2: You can absolutely see why she was given control of the entire Obi-Wan series and just the two episodes she did here.
1: The way she uses lighting. See, that, that, that's that's how we contrast with the episode before. Like, the, the tattooing episode, not the episode before, but the episode 5. It was dark, it was muddled, you couldn't see anything. But the way Deborah Chow uses light and shadow, like the whole infiltration of the Mandalorian into the... Stormtrooper bunker when it's dark, and then you see flashes of light, and like the way she used that to showcase the action like that was brilliant.
0: I've i never, well, I mean, we're sorry that way again. Her eye for action was incredible Like, like, absolutely incredible.
2: That was the escape on in chapter three, might be the best directed and choreographed action sequence in all of Star Wars.
0: Yeah, I could see that. Oh man, can you imagine what she would do with like a full scale? Like, could you imagine what she would do with a battle of Scarif?
2: Oh my god!
0: Like, holy
2: crap!
0: Yeah, and she said, "Did you? Uh, did you guys get a chance to watch the doc, the the first episode of Gallery of the Mandalorian yet? The documentary? Yes,
2: I have not."
0: She said something very interesting in there where I was like, this is absolutely why you got the episode about like she, you know, she might not be able to get necessarily the angle she wants on a shot. But as long as there's room for to breathe life or I'm not getting the phrasing exactly right, I don't think, Jay. Like as go ahead.
1: Yeah, I don't think I recall the exact phrasing, but I I, I, it it captured her eye for for getting the scene right and getting the action right. And I think that's something that even like, didn't John Favreau or somebody else also comment on her ability to do that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of, I think um, Gina made a comment about how efficient she was. She, it was like, you have six hours. We're going to use all of those six hours um, for just how she, re- she ran her set. But man, oh, I'm so glad she's getting Kenobi. Like, and I, it's, it's awesome to me seeing how like they've given how these directors from The Mandalorian are going on to do more Star Wars stuff.
1: One other comment she made that I really loved in the documentary was that so they described that each of the directors involved is a Star Wars fan, but Deborah Chow specifically said like how she's a fan of genre and that she wants to work on shows that she wants to see herself. And that's it, it is a really great perspective that she's making the kind of thing she loves. That's that's fantastic.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I guess we're going to double back a moment, but Deborah Chow's directing is definitely something that worked. Um, Generally speaking, what are other things that you guys think really worked for the show?
1: Well, speaking of directing, I guess, I like the fact that they had different directors. Some of, you know, they each had different approaches, right? Like I noticed even on the episode, we all like episode four with the, the, uh, ATSD Walker, like it gave me a real, uh, Jurassic Park feel with the darkness and the shadows and the red eyes, and you think, well, Bryce Dallas Howard is very familiar with Jurassic Park, and I don't know if she brought that same sensibility in there with the whole monster movie dinosaur thing, but I really felt that energy with it, and I loved seeing different styles in each of the each of the episodes we got. Like obviously, we we loved Taika and his sense of humor and his comic timing worked great in the finale. Um, I had never seen anything from the other directors before, but I enjoyed each of the different approaches that we got.
0: Yeah, I liked, um, there was another funny comment they made in the, uh, in the documentary where they were like, yeah, Bryce, we gave you the hardest episode to do. But like, because I guess she doesn't have as much directing experience as the other ones that they were like, yeah, we gave that one to you because you wouldn't, you wouldn't know how hard it was going to be. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs>
2: okay. Right into that the fire is- with you.
0: That is trial by fire, and I would be happy to see her stay ar- stick around, and do more Star Wars things. Um, and also, I'm gonna screw up his name because I don't have it right in front of me. But like, I wasn't a huge fan of the prison episode. But like, Rick Fu, I
2: think Fumiyama. it's Rick Famuyiwa. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, his he has a talent for lighting.
2: Oh, like how the, the corridor shots were. Gorgeous! uh, Once the alarm started going off.
0: Oh yeah, and even I even loved that set. Like I don't love that episode for a lot of reasons, and I think it has to do with well, number one, the show had an issue with gender. So you had one woman in the episode, and oh look, she's crazy. Great, thank thanks, guys. Appreciate Mm -hmm. that one. Um, I so I think if you had had the cast of characters a little bit more balanced that it could have gone over differently um and perhaps slightly different characters but as a concept i really i did like the episode someone made a comment on twitter a while back about how it had a very kotor vibe and they're right like the set does
1: oh yeah Um, the droids especially
0: oh yeah so i was like there were a lot of cool things in that episode that i was like this is neat stuff um but like, yeah. I kind of
1: like the X-wing cameo with the directors at the end because I think they—they they had Felony, they had Deborah Chow and Rick Famuyiwa were all the three X-wing pilots. And you know, as much as cameos can be a little too cute, sometimes I think the X-wing pilot cameo worked really well because, for the most part, people don't like people don't recognize directors visually. We obviously recognize Dave Filoni being Star Wars fans, but I love the fact that they were able to double in as the X-wing pilots at the end.
0: Yeah. I'm glad they used 3 all 3 of them cuz if it had just been Filoni, I, my eyes would have rolled completely out of my
2: head. Mhm. 100%. Um I think the thing with episode 6 is it in a vacuum it's it's a fun adventure. But when your season only has 8 episodes, you can't really aff- you can't really indulge in an episode that doesn't really push the characters in any do- mean, meaningful direction.
0: You know now that you think now that you say that I almost feel like episodes five and six, they were just—I don't want to say throwaways or filler because that's not clearly. I mean, the show had an aesthetic that it was going for, and it was a lot of standalone things. But like, I feel like you could watch the show with one, two, four, seven, eight, and not really miss out on the story.
2: Yeah, um, if you take, if you take a bit out of episode towards the end of episode six and throw it somewhere else. You can really lose both five and six and not miss a beat.
0: Yeah. Cause I mean, I think that was something that didn't, something that didn't work for me was the lack of an ensemble. I think that's why, why seven and eight part of why seven and eight felt so good was because you had the, the gang was getting together. You were get, I mean, Kara and Mando's dynamic together was fantastic from like the first, the minute they start throwing punches at each oh, other. Yeah. And I think that's part of what made five and six feel a little bit more lacking is you didn't have that anymore. Um, and yeah, you know, Mandalorian, Lone Wolf, et cetera, et cetera. But
1: well, yeah. he works best with other people, right? Because even in the first two episodes, you know, it's him and Queel that work well together. And then him and Baby Yoda. When he's just by himself, he's he's not an interesting character. It's him acting alongside other characters that really make the show work.
2: Yeah, definitely agreed.
0: What else worked? What else didn't? Brian, I know it's in the notes, but like I'm waiting for you to say the thing because I know you're going to wax poetic about it. <laughs>
2: Say the thing, um, wait, 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 what thing? The music. Oh, yeah, right, the music. <laughs> the music from the <laughs> from the very instant we heard music at Celebration, my first thought was, that's going to make the show. No matter what, that music is going to be the through line that makes the show, and it drops on Disney+, and it absolutely does. Uh, Ludwig Gorenson is a genius. Um like you heard, you heard his work on the Black Panther soundtrack. His ability to work with non-standard instrumentation, non-standard uh, modes, non-standard uh, scales and keys uh, just gives the soundtrack the otherworldly vibe, while also meshing it with the spaghetti western. It's just sheer brilliance.
0: I still need to get my- to download the soundtracks, because man, that's got to be good writing music.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, that is- every track on there is perfect mood right, Mood music for writing.
0: Do you guys ever get the uh, the main theme stuck in your head, like when you're doing any sort of cardio?
2: I mean, it's the perfect tempo for just consistently repeating some kind of cardio or strength activity- ba-ba-bum, ba-ba-bum, ba Just have a nice get in get in the pocket there and just exercise.
0: You can't see me, but I'm like bobbing my head in time.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, yeah. Jay, what about you? What other things worked, really worked for you or what really didn't work for you?
1: Um, I think I like the fact that was its own thing, at least for the most part, it didn't necessarily rely too much on connections to the rest of Star Wars, but still felt like it was it was a Star Wars show. It still had the right technology, the right settings, the right references. But aside from references to Tatooine and, you know, Clone War stuff, which we'll get to later, um, it it was its own self-contained show. It successfully did the whole bounty hunter western thing like and that was the thing i loved most about my favorite of the new films rogue one it it sort of it shifts star wars into a different genre while still fitting star wars i mean we all fell in love with the old x-wing books back in the day and that was another example of being star wars without relying on the same force lightsaber stuff that we do in the films and of course we have baby yoda but what works here is that none of the characters know what the heck is going on like even even quill and and mando are like w- i don't i've never heard of such powers before and that's i think really grounds the show and the grounded feels i think it appeals to a lot of people
2: it's yeah. a very relatable star wars even though it's about bounty hunters and soldier and ex-soldiers and things like that
0: yeah i mean i feel like my mom is pretty good it's a pretty good point of reference there i mean yeah, she said she struggled with sort of understanding the time frame and all. And there was a couple other things like the Darksaber at the end. She didn't know about that. Uh, actually, my entire mom's side of the family got an extended lecture on the dark Darksaber. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not proud of it. It was I nerded out. It was fine. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's just it just goes to show you everyone. People got it. Um,
1: I mean, Mando was just a dad who's trying hard, right?
0: He tried so hard. <laughs> I mean,
2: we
1: joke, but that is absolutely the appeal of this show.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I hope Kara gets to be the uh, Baby Yoda's uh, auntie with the with the pistols in her hand. Yeah, Being like, what's, what's the Star Wars equivalent of a wine ant but with guns? Blaster ant? Yes. I don't know. Sure. <laughs> I'm making things up now, aren't I? Um, Speaking of Baby Yoda though Like I still can't believe Lucasfilm pulled this off Like Not only did they keep it a secret Which is very impressive And I respect the hell out of the fact That they did not tell Any of the merchandisers about it Until after the episode aired Like That's impressive Um
2: But then he worked That idea should have been the idea that crashed, bombed, and tanked the show, but somehow didn't.
1: Yeah, because people always talk about, you know, artificially engineering cuteness or or trying to make, like, a viral character. And, like, obviously they intended Baby Yoda to be a big thing because he's in the show. But, like, the fact that they hid it from leaks, they kept it away from merchandising until it was ready to go out and that it was allowed to build just in the audience i, I cannot believe they pull it off as successfully as they did and that it dominated the world the way it did i mean everybody on the planet knows baby yoda
0: oh yeah and i remember like i think all of us were very hesitant i remember like you see that first shot of him from the back and i could i saw his head shape and i'm like what the hell is going on?
1: Yeah, here we go again kind of thing.
0: And then it was a, you know, a baby Yoda. And I, but as soon as we got to the, like through the end of the second episode, I was like, oh my God, I think this is going to (laughs) work.
2: And I was incredulous that it seemed to be working. I just, wow.
0: And like, and so when we were in, in Disney at the end of January, I think they had just come out with those spirit jerseys. Granted, it was a little bit colder than expected, but I I swear that like every 10 people who walked by was wearing one of those. It felt like
2: oh, that's been a that was a very popular design that month.
0: Like and that was not a cheap shirt to pick up either. Like that was not the $20 t-shirt you grab out of the gift shop and I'm just like so everyone was so desperate for anything baby Yoda to get their hands on like the the plushie he's sold out like Right now, you can't. If you order him from Shop Disney, right now, he won't get there till June, end of June, I think.
2: Holy crap! Seriously, I placed a pre-order and didn't check when it'd ship.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. And he's been out of stock for a while. I remember I, so I didn't buy him because there were some other things that they had. There were Baby Yoda in the Shop Disney thing that was like, well, I'm going to see what they have at Disney World because if I don't have to pay shipping, I won't pay shipping. Came back, went to pre-order. It was like, nope, we won't deliver till April. Ooh. And so I was like, well, screw that. And so then I waited until about a month ago, and I'm like, oh, maybe I should have pre-ordered in April.
2: Mistakes have been made.
0: <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I, I think it's awesome to see, and like, I hope they keep using
2: the puppet. Oh, me too. Well, I mean, they have to, because Werner Herzog said they were cowards if they didn't. I mean, that's true.
0: I love the story about the scout trooper guy who, like, punch the baby they're like no that's too hard (laughs) do you know how much that thing is worth
2: (laughs) also poor jason sudeikis and all the hate he got after that
1: yeah i love how it was like what was it like his improv theater group or something like literally put out a tweet saying we don't do we do not enjoy we do not endorse punching baby yoda
0: (laughs) oh that's great (laughs) um one of my good friends, uh, he was a scout trooper for the Five Hundred First, and we were all we were at a con together the first weekend in January. And the number of people who walked by him and were just like shook their head and were like "Baby Puncher," <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys have uh, have theories about who or what Baby Yoda
2: is? Like, do you guys think he's actually
0: fifty years old? Do you think he's been in like suspended animation? Is he a clone? <laughs>
2: That is actually one I'm trying not to speculate much on. Um, I really want to see where it goes and not kind of pin any theories on it.
1: I'm kind of hoping we don't get too many answers because, like, you know, Yoda's species has always been a mystery. And, like, Baby Yoda has been, like, what the f- only the, the fourth, right? Because, we, we, you know, we got Yaddle and then we got um, uh, the one in KOTOR, um, Master Vandar. So it's just like we haven't gotten many of Yoda's species And I would just prefer to and I know fandom likes answers, but I would just prefer them that they not answer it. And I as far as I'm concerned, he's exactly what he appears, a 50 year old baby of a very long lived species.
0: I do kind of hope he's been in suspended animation for a little bit because 50 years is a very long time to still be that tiny, even for a species that's 900 years old. Yeah. But that's as far as I am allowing myself to speculate. Um I guess we'll find out what happens in season two, Uh, which leads us to, which actually that kind of tied into a question that Scott asked us is, um, do you think we'll find out in season two what the remnant wants baby Yoda and whether or not he's a clone of Yoda or just a member of the the same species?
2: I don't know if we'll find out more of baby yoda's i'm sorry and i'm not calling him the child i just won't um i don't know if we'll find out more about baby yoda's origins but i do think we'll find out more about why the remnant wants him
1: yeah i definitely i mean i i i got the vibe that it maybe has something to do with Sheev or the first order because like you know they were they're they're sort of hint hinting the, the show's first promo sequence that we're, it's going to have answers or at least connections to the first order and we didn't really get to see that in season one but like the Empire and the Remnants doing various things and experimenting with the forest and then you know all the crazy shivery we got in episode 9 there there might be a connection there maybe maybe Sheev is powered by Baby Yoda blood who knows
2: oh that's the worst Jay. thing you've ever said
0: Jay How
1: is it though
2: Yes. Yes, it is, actually. It is the worst thing you have ever said.
0: Go sit in the corner and think about what you've done. (sighs) Speaking of season two, though, uh, I'm just... My notes literally say hopes and dreams, opinions on rumors. uh, And then, apparently, this was a popular topic conversation from our listeners. Because Odie asked, How do you want Fennec to come back in season two? John asked what are you looking forward to slash hoping for the most in season two? And Drew asked, do you want to see more clone war connections in season two? Uh,
2: in order, how do I want Fennec to come back? I want her to come back pissed off and ready to kick someone or something's ass. Um, what am I looking forward to and hoping for most in season two? I, I, can't wait to see Cara Dune again uh and do I want to see more TCW connections in season two honestly no
1: yeah for me for Fennec um, I there's People who are saying like the footsteps we saw at the end of episode five, those are supposed to be Moff Gideon's. And if so, I would love for her to be like Moff Gideon's best operative and to be like a recurring antagonist that he's sort of staying in the background a little more. And he sends Fennec Shan to, to try to hunt down the heroes. So that would be cool um, in terms of what I'm hoping for. Since Moff Gideon's a moth, I'm sure he has a fancy outfit somewhere, so they're going to have a fancy ball at Moff Gideon's palace, and Mandalorian has to infiltrate it for some reason. It's a whole elaborate costume heist. That would be great.
2: <sighs> that sounds about right.
1: Costume heists are always fun. Always. Are they, though? And more Clone Wars connections? No, not really. But I wouldn't mind seeing a certain Mandalorian from another animated show show up because she'd actually be period relevant, and also she's a Mandalorian, and we love Sabine.
0: Yeah, sounds about right. Um, for Fennec, I mean that's okay. That's that's one of the rumors that's going around is that Ming-Na Wen will be back in season two, uh, and like we touched on before, I I would obviously love to see more of her more of her but also you're gonna have to have a really damn good reason for why she's not dead um because that body her body wasn't moving she wasn't breathing like you're gonna have to come up with a damn good reason and you she better get to be a total badass um i like jay's idea about her being one of uh moff gideon's operatives um Let's see what's that? What I'm looking forward to hoping for the most in season two, I hope it's gonna be more of an ensemble cast. Like I know we sort of split the band up afterwards, but like we talked about before, I, I think the show is at its strongest when you have when Mando has someone to play off of. Um And also, it I really, really don't ever want them to do a romance between Mando and Kara. Please let nope. them just be bestie badasses together who will just like Punch things.
2: Please. It's great. Mando uh, and Kara are the two besties who get into bar fights together.
0: Exactly. And then oh uh, um Amara, I hope she comes back. Oh, yes. That would be great. Um and if anyone's gonna be in a romance with a Mandalorian, it should be her. Yes. Um I hope that we get to see more explanation of how the Mandalorians are where they are and whether or not this particular group is like an extremist sect because clearly the don't take your helmet off thing has not been a Mandalorian thing in like anything else Dave Filoni wrote
1: and worked on. I think people had pointed out that like in the flashbacks when the clan first found him, like they had like death watch symbols on their armor or something like that.
0: They did, yeah. Um So, yeah, I I would like an explanation for that.
1: (laughs) And also what the purge was and, you know, is Moff Gideon a war criminal? Probably. And what, you know, role he had in that.
0: I mean, that's like most of the Empire, Jay. I hate to tell you.
1: Okay, but like he technically like stole a cultural artifact. And I feel very strongly that those belong in a museum, preferably owned by the locals.
0: So not in the hands of the Empire?
1: I mean... If they're part of the Empire willingly, then it's okay, right?
0: Jay, they got conquered.
1: I'm trying to split the baby here, okay? <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 Let's not cut baby Yoda in half. Um, as for more Clone War Connections, no. No, thank you.
2: My like, biggest fear is that season two uh, becomes Rebels season two and a half onwards. And I'd like to see this show continue to be its own thing.
0: Yeah. Like seeing the dark saber was amazing. I never thought I would see the dark saber in live action. Like I lost my crap. Um, But I think there's a way to explain that without having to dive too deep. Um,
1: Well, the cool thing about it is like, uh, and as your mom demonstrated, like you didn't need to know what it was to know that it was, hey, he's using a lightsaber. That's strange for him to have that. And like, the show appeals very well to people who are not super immersed in Star Wars and too many Clone Wars connections, I think, will ruin that.
0: I agree completely. Um, what are your guys' opinions about the rumors going around about the show? Let's just... Someone's got to say it.
2: I'm extremely wary about using Ahsoka Tano in this, and I am wildly against casting... Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka, and you can go Google. Uh, you can go Google and find out um, why she's an ex- she would be an extraordinarily p- problematic person to cast.
1: And look, like I like Ahsoka as a character. Like I, I've, I've grown to really appreciate what she means for people, and just appreciate how she's grown as a character, and the, and the importance she has for the Star Wars like franchise and fandom as a whole. But like this show needs to stand on its own two merits. It already has, and putting Ahsoka into it would overshadow the main cast of the show, just like she kind of did in Rebels. And even though. Twilight of the Apprentice might be my favorite episode in the whole show like Ahsoka's had her time to shine she's had her own stories um, she doesn't need to be in everything
0: yeah day floaty don't use Ahsoka in something for once in your life challenge um, also I, I feel that Ahsoka is such a big character in Star Wars at this point that if she's going to be in a show live action show then it should be hers
1: yeah, like yep.
0: we all we all know, Heloni's chomping at the bit to do something with Ahsoka and Sabine in their search for Ezra and Thrawn and the space whales. Um, just do make that its own thing. Yeah, Don't just,
2: just do that.
1: Stop yeah, using Ahsoka as it. a bridge to other things. There's a built-in fandom for that. People will watch it. Like you can you can make it happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um. Oh, they did come out with some interestingly done announcements yesterday that I wasn't expecting uh, that they two new directors sort of casually announced that they're going to be part of this uh, Robert Rodriguez and Peyton Reed
2: I hope Robert amazing. Rodriguez bring, brings Danny Trejo with him
0: that'll be amazing and I hope uh, Peyton Reed brings uh, oh god what's his name Who plays Louis and 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 uh, Ant Man. Oh,
2: oh, uh, oh. uh oh, Now I have to look this up. Yeah, I can't.
0: I I suck at names today. But that would be amazing. Oh,
2: <laughs> uh, Michael Pena.
0: Yes, there we go. Thank you. Welcome to the Ganji Guys. We can't remember anyone's name.
2: <laughs> and he has to play just an expy of Louis. And I want to hear the bongos and everything.
0: Yes. I'm interested to see what other what other directors they have coming back. Like I'm assuming Tyka's not coming back this season. Uh I'm guessing he's busy.
2: I mean, he's uh, got two pretty big uh big budget uh films on his plate right now. Yeah. I
0: mean yep. granted, they're now they've already they filmed a while ago and they're in post production on Mandalorian season two right now, but yeah. Um I do hope that there's more female directors in the mix. Mm-hmm. Because I'm hoping Bryce came back. We'll see. Um. Yeah. Do you guys have any other hopes, dreams, thoughts?
2: I can't believe I like this show as much as I did because I am the I'm the kind of Star Wars fan that is predisposed to hate this show.
1: Yeah, and I think I think that's one of the reasons we're so hard on it, because the show actually exceeded our expectations, which is why the areas where it stumbled are especially disappointing to us, because so many things worked on this show that shouldn't have. And if they just tweaked it a little bit, if they refined a few things, had a few more female characters, a few more women directing, and just, I mean, they already have uh, two great ones, but just add more and just fix the issues that they had, It'll it'll continue to be brilliant.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm just gonna flat out say like I'm sorry, but having one woman speak in the first three episodes is unacceptable. Um, yes, we got a lot of more, a lot more women who spoke in episode four in very prominent roles, but like it didn't get tons better after that. Like for a, in the rest of the episodes, I'm pretty sure I could count all of the women who spoke on my fingers. Um, I think that if the show can fix that problem and if and it veers a little bit further away from its tendency to feel like the middle-aged guys playing with their action figures, um, that it'll be something season two will be even better and pretty special. Um, I think I, I don't, I think I I like it a little bit less than you guys because I'm still struggling with those with those two things. Um, But like I said, this is a show that's like really growing on me in a way. And I know this is going to sound like I'm damning with faint praise to certain ears, but like solo where I find the more I watch it, the more I kind of find myself sort of just relaxing and going along with it and really enjoying the things that I like
2: if that makes sense. No, I I totally understand that. And I I think that's ultimately where I am with it. Like the first season of this show had some really low lows. Um but the stuff it did well I really enjoyed and was good enough to make me for the most part look past those low those low points.
1: Yeah, and especially when we're watching, we have the option now to just watch the episodes we like, and I think that also helps a lot better, especially since some of the episodes we like least have nothing to do with anything, and we can just happily skip them and pretend they don't exist, but hopefully next time we will not have to do that.
0: Yep. All right, Jay, would you like to do your art corner?
1: Sure. So uh, speaking of how the show was made, um, I kind of wish we had some more behind the scenes. You know, we have these awesome concept arts that air at the end of every episode, which is beautiful. And I would love it if they were able to do episode guides for these, like they do for their animated shows. And I think at one point they were considering doing it, or they said, you know, stay tuned, and then it never ended up happening. So it might be that they just have stuff in store for the future, or maybe there's going to be a making-of book or an art book coming in store that they're saving that stuff for, but I would really love to see the concept art, the design philosophy, some trivia about the show. That would be great. Um, But as far as what we've seen so far, I love the lived-in look and feel, like Bria mentioned. When we first saw the first clips of it at Celebration, we thought, wow, this looks cinematic. This looks like a Star Wars movie. Like They had that one part where in the first episode where Mandalorian is just walking through the town square and you see the different costumes, the different villagers walking around the roasted quok and monkey lizards. Like it just felt like a very lived in star Wars. And I, I love seeing that. It was also cool seeing Mandalorians in different style armor. They were a bit, um, pretty close to the EU, actually old style Mandalorians that we all loved and remembered from the old times. Um, best car seeing that, spoken aloud and hearing Werner Herzog of all people say Baskar was phenomenal and I didn't realize it would be so mirror shiny but you know it was just cool to see it Uh, speaking of Werner Herzog I love the fact that they showed him as an imperial officer but he was like a fancy imperial officer granted he was kind of like grungy and dirty but like he had like this shiny medallion and this almost textured looking imperial tunic that was kind of reddish that was cool moff gideon is fantastic with his cape and tie special tie design and one last little thing i know i'm kind of rambling for a bit now but um speaking of artifacts and props they showed the new republic logo in this show a couple times they had it on the guard droids in the prison episode and they also had it on the um, in the other bad episode with the young bounty hunter, he was holding a New Republic credit coin at the beginning of the episode on Tatooine, and both of them had expanded universe-style New Republic logos, which was kind of a neat blast of the past of the sea- to see. I don't know why they didn't use the um, sunburst style that we're used to in canon, but it was still really, really cool to see that classic New Republic logo in this show.
0: Nice. Can I tell you the one thing that I think is funny about the stormtroopers? Go for it. That's Rogue One armor, not Return of the Jedi armor. (laughs) Because I'm pretty sure, and I hate that I now know this, but like if you stay in the 504s long enough and hang out with people who care about armor, you learn these things. I'm pretty sure all they have around right now is the Rogue One armor. (laughs) (laughs) So, Bria, so, yeah. what
1: is what is the distinguishing factor between the Rogue One and the Return of the Jedi armor?
0: Uh, so, generally speaking, on the back, it's a little bit slimmer. So, like, for example, Inferno Squad, their front and back plates are based upon a Rogue One TK. Um, They also do things, and that's actually the difference between that and, like, A New Hope. Um, Empire Strikes Back switches the blaster to the opposite side than from A New Hope. And then they kind of do, like, this rounded edge thing for Return of the Jedi it's weird um like there, there's more differences than just that but like that's the one that you always sorry can can tell the most and it's not something that like anyone else is really gonna notice or like care about but <laughs> yeah yeah
2: yep
0: that's my random piece of information for you today.
1: <laughs> uh, Thank you for you your know. contribution to the art corner.
0: Well, you know, I figure I figure you've been carrying it for long enough, and I did make you do it. So, <laughs> uh, we have two questions left for Tell That to Conju-Cast. The first is from uh, Drew, who asks, "What non-Droid death was the saddest, and why was it? Why is it Fennec?" S- and I'm going to disagree. It is not Fennec. Fennec that just makes me angry. The saddest death is still. Uh, Oh God! I forgot his name again. Well, thank you.
2: Yeah, that's my saddest death.
1: Mine is Werner Herzog. Sorry. Typical Jay. Typical Jay. He just had such a great way of phrasing. Like he was just—he wasn't even playing a Star Wars character. He was just playing himself inside Star Wars, like, and that actually kind of really worked for like a, a die-hard random Imperial with just the old-timey lingo. I loved it. Like. Th-
2: the On my rewatch, the line that I just loved, because it's so Werner Herzog, was him uh, saying to Grief when he brought the Mando in, Can I offer you a libation to celebrate the closure of our shared narrative? <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> just brilliant. Like, I want to know if he wrote that himself. Maybe he was just ad-libbing, that's just how he talks. I, I could totally see that being ad-lib, and, and writer-director's like, mm, dang, that's it.
0: I'm just always fond of. I would like to see the baby.
1: They would like yes. to see the baby. We will I'm... be quiet. We will not wake it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I'm pretty sure we used that multiple times when we were in Disney World with Owen.
1: Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the <laughs> and then his oh. extended monologue on how the galaxy was better off under the Empire just war- warmed its way straight into my heart. Yeah. Uh, of course.
0: Also, I'm realizing I never really talked about Moff Gideon, but like, holy crap!
1: Like, first of all, what an entrance! And then, like, that's almost everyone's name in history. Just, and he's so competent.
0: I love Giancarlo Esposito. I like he was amazing in Breaking Bad, and he—I've been so excited for him ever since they like listed him in the cast. Like, that cape was excellent. He was like competent badass and when he cut his way out of the tie fighter i just like oh my god I'm just leave me. <laughs> just leave me here to die it's fine um uh, yeah sorry uh final question comes from nancy what is the way
2: a well-made old-fashioned
1: the dao which literally means the way why are both of
2: you like this
1: i am what i am take it up with lao tzu
0: this is the way. <laughs> this is the way. Alright. Any last comments on the Mandalorian?
2: Um, I've had fun doing two podcasts on this in the last three in the last three days.
0: Okay, we I picked the topic first.
2: You did, you did. In fairness, you did. We were going to talk about both Mandalorian and the Last Jedi on TSR, but then we went on about the Mando so much we just did a Mando
1: show.
0: <laughs> Jay
1: uh can't think of any last thoughts
0: okay then i guess we're done talking about the mandalorian um and i also i really hope you guys liked the uh the segment with my mom if you've gotten this far and you did like it and you would like to say nice things to her to pass along you can tweet them at me or send them to me in the patreon but only say nice things to send to her because she like Texted me after we hung up that c- part of the call with her and was like, "Did it sound okay? Hopefully they didn't hate it. So be nice to my mom, or else." It
1: was so
2: good. <laughs> I- I'm I'm serious. That's my Genuine favorite thing we've okay. ever done.
0: <laughs> I'm just I'm saying to our viewers. I know you guys already said nice things, which I told her you said she was delightful. Um, so, anyways, uh, that wraps it up for this month. Uh, don't forget if you have any questions for us to answer on a future episode, like to chime in and/or tell my mother she's awesome please do. You can tweet them to us via the Tashi station account. The nice things to my mom can come directly to me next episode. Uh, I'm assigning the boys more homework because we're going to be talking about season two of star Wars resistance resistance. So if you have any questions about that, send them our way.
2: And on that note, this episode of the Kanji cast has been brought to you in part by you, our Patreon subscribers, patreon.com slash Tashi station, get in at the $1 level and join our Patreon exclusive slack. Uh, we are part of the Tashi Station Network. Um, on Twitter, you can find us with the handles Tashi Station. That's the official show account. Bria is Chaos Bria. Jay is Admiral Jello. I'm Lane Winry, L-A-N-E-W-I-N-R-E-E. Uh, you can find this show on the Tashi Station, MegaFeed on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify, and wherever else you get podcasts. Uh, find our columns and news at TashiStation.net. Thanks for listening. Catch you all next month to talk resistance. So long, everyone. This is the way.